Supported by Abe's Door Service. With 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. I still love that about Abe's Door Service. Because in our world these days, actually being able to speak to an actual person. (laughs) And isn't that weird that that is now considered to be... The best you can whack in customer service, you can actually talk to somebody. Yeah. It's a weird little world between social media and automated menus and all the rest of that stuff. Weird is one there word you for it, my I friend. I just had to go on a diatribe there. I'm done now. That's all right. Yeah. 706, thanks for joining us. The all new this morning with Jalen and I, Daryl McIntyre, Molly Scott, and Regina. We'll check in with him coming up next hour ahead of that game tonight. Fingers crossed for a win mm-hmm. for the double E. I'm hopeful. Hopeful. That, that way, you know, Fingers that's still, that, Yeah, that, we're hedging bets here. That's still fence-sitting, but I am hopeful. All right. Uh, you know what? Encampments in this city have been a, a well, problem, a challenge for multiple levels of uh, city response teams, whether it was EPS, whether it was fire, it was city administration for communities, mm. and trying to figure out what to do with them continues. To be a challenge. It is a challenge. Andrew Knack, City Councillor for uh, Ward at Nakota Ishka, uh, joining us this morning. Talk about some of these encampments and the challenges and what do you do about it and uh, the number of complaints that have been lodged. Uh, Andrew Knack, good to have you back on the show. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a stunning number of, of complaints that have come in with over 5,000 just in the first six months of this year. Obviously, that doesn't mean there are 5,000 encampments. There's lots of duplicates about the same ones, but it's much higher than we've seen in previous years. Is the problem higher uh, than what we've seen? Oh, no no question. Uh, we, we've seen over the last four years the number of people experiencing homelessness double in this city. And uh, contained within that means you're going to see far more encampments, uh, in part because we are, you, you know, we have far fewer shelter spaces than, say, even something like somebody like Calgary, who has the same number of people experiencing homelessness, but there's a huge discrepancy in the number of shelter spaces. So it is, it is truly... I think one of, the, if not the worst year I've, I've ever experienced. Andrew, are people actually using the shelter spaces though? Mm-hmm. In fact, what we learned, we just had an update at council this week and, and even though oftentimes people don't use the shelter spaces as much during the summer because of the extreme weather events that we've had, you know, between the smoke, between some of the heat, uh, even, even now during the summer, the shelters are getting close to, if not full capacity. So um, there, there is a massive issue with uh, the, the fact is that there's more people than there's available shelter space. Uh, and even now the shelter spaces are being used in full. Uh, there's, there's, there's a balancing act here because uh, it can be hard on neighborhoods. It can be hard on local businesses to, to have these types of, of encampments around uh, around them, and yet you still want to have compassion for the people who are there who may believe they have no other choice, or maybe they don't like the rules of the shelters, whatever reason that they're in those encampments. How do you find the balance to, between protecting those who are not in the encampments and those who are? It's, it is a constant uh, balancing act that our park rangers have to deal with. So when somebody reports an encampment, our park rangers will go out to do an initial investigation and depending on the level of risk, will determine 
determine how they approach it. And so if there's you know folks starting fires and there's clear safety risks, uh, they'll look to try to shut down an encampment within just a few days. Whereas if it's somebody who's you know just clearly needs help and support, but they're not creating that that safety risk in a community, um, what they'll work on is they'll try to connect those individuals into resources before shutting down the encampment so they don't rush to close it down. They, they take a bit of time to work with them, find the right resources, and then ideally transfer somebody into a place where they can get care and support, and then they will close down the encampment. But our park rangers who are just doing the most incredible job you could hope for are, are always trying to navigate that fine line uh, between safety and security and compassion, and it's something that they, they, uh, they're well-trained on and they work incredibly hard on. But, uh, I mean, the challenge is that the permanent solutions mm. uh, ultimately fall outside of municipal jurisdiction, and that's part of the challenge that we're, we're dealing with right now. Yeah, Councillor Andrew Nack joining us this morning, and, and that's what I was going to touch on, Andrew, is the fact, I mean, you can shut down an, an encampment, and it's just going to move um, unless there is space for people to move into and um, if those people want to move into it. I mean, it seems to me it's just this never-ending cycle um, that I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, and I think a lot of other people feel that there's, you know, even if we had all the housing in the world, that that might not be the solution. I think people feel that way because it's, it seems like there's never been that attempt to actually have all the housing that you need. Uh, and yet, you know, when you look at some of the recent housing that has just opened up, the city of Edmonton went and invested uh, quite a bit a number of years ago to build 215 units of 24-7 supportive housing where there's wraparound care and support at all time. And then you go talk to the people who are running these new buildings and the, the residents who have moved in. These are individuals, many of which have felt like they would never move into permanent housing and and because these are designed in a very different way than you know your typical I, I use air quotes when I say affordable housing um, these individuals are able to start the recovery process mm-hmm. they are able to start getting the care and support they need and so truly if you did have enough housing and it's not just supportive housing it's you know the province has been doing a lot of investment in recovery centers yep. outside of Calgary and Edmonton you, you need recovery centers you need supportive housing you need 24-7 shelters with better um, secu- security and safety and supports on site if you had that entire spectrum you actually would be able to make a meaningful shift in this there might be always a few people who choose to still live outside but right now the, the issue is people are choosing to live outside because there's not another option available to them uh, again if you look at the numbers even just between Calgary and Edmonton there are a thousand fewer shelter beds in the city of Edmonton compared to the city of Calgary and so it is no shocked that there are close to a thousand people who sleep outdoors every night 
Um, and, and it's because they have literally no choice. So if you started to see those discrepancies addressed, and if you started to see those choices come into existence, I actually believe you would see a truly a, a better solution for people and, and folks who are experiencing homelessness would be able to get the care they need and start the recovery process that they, they want to go through. We keep talking about how this is multi-layered, uh, the whole issue of homelessness and, and you know, crime on Edmonton, downtown city streets, all of this stuff has been discussed before. And yes, yeah. there are long-term solutions that need to, need to be achieved, but there are also short-term safety issues that need to be achieved. Uh, mm-hmm. You talked about uh, park rangers doing a great job. You know, police have uh, get enough uh, uh, you know, uh, criticism over not being able to do a job. I don't know that I have the greatest uh, confidence in a park ranger being able to deal with these kinds of complicated social issues face-to-face. I have confidence in the work they do, but again, recognizing that the work they are doing is very much reliant on other solutions to to properly solve it. So again, you know, but those are long-term people, solutions. I'm talking like no, in the moment. But uh, but again, I think there are short-term solutions. So we also know beyond housing, shelter operations are also provincial jurisdiction. And in fact, back on October 1st, former Premier Kenny had um, put out a homelessness task force. And one of the short-term recommendations that was in that, that they accepted, the provincial government said, yes, we should do this, is implementing province-wide minimum shelter standards, which would allow for mm-hmm. 24-7 operations, which would allow for uh, individuals to actually lock up their possessions and to be with companions and to uh, finally address that discrepancy. So you could quickly implement those minimum shelter standards so that park rangers could actually connect people into short-term solutions while we await for the longer-term piece of building housing. Um, and the housing piece, I should note, doesn't also have to take very long. I mean, we just saw the provincial surplus of $11.7 billion. For a fraction of that, you could probably, you know, probably about $2 billion, you could build enough housing in this entire province to end homelessness within about two years because the modular housing that we're building now for supportive housing is very quick to build. So, we, you know, it feels daunting, but it actually doesn't have to be. If we follow, if the, if the province is able to follow their recommendations that they released on October 1st, and we're there to be active partners in supporting them on this, we could actually see this solved in a meaningful way within just a couple of years, and there could be a short-term solution within the next few months that would allow everyone who is sleeping outside to get inside and to start getting better care and support, which will help the communities, because the communities feel overwhelmed right now. They want to help these individuals, but nobody is trained uh, you know, from a resident's perspective to help these folks. Andrew, uh, we'll have to leave it there this morning. I mean, it's it, this conversation we've been having for, for years now. I hope uh, this time next year that we're on a path. Uh, mm-hmm. We're on a path Absolutely. forward and uh, we're not having the, the, the conversation about what needs to be done uh, and, and, and we can talk about what has been done. Thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah, you betcha. Uh, uh, uh Andrew Knack, uh, Ward Nakota Iska. Um, we use the word challenge a lot this morning, and <laughs> it continues to be one. Yeah, so. absolutely. And uh, top of mind, especially mm-hmm. at this time of year. 717, let's take a break. Back with more of This Morning with Jalen and Daryl. This 
Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre is brought to you by Abe's Door Service, where service is their specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca. Good morning, 719 on a Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday, short uh-huh. week for a lot of people. Uh, th- th- this was a, f- a fascinating story that came out in Saskatchewan about the power of emojis and whether or not they are true conversation or can you can you actually be bound by a contract <laughs> based on an emoji? There was a farmer in Saskatchewan uh, who, who has now been ordered by a judge to pay some $82,000 uh, for not delivering product to a grain buyer after having responded to a text message with a thumbs up image. Farmer argued that the emoji, the thumbs up, was said, okay, I got your message. But the judge said, no, the, the thumbs up was agreeing to a contract and actually held that up. Beware your thumbs up. What are you agreeing to? That's a pricey thumbs That's up. That's a pricey thumbs up. Ooh. But isn't it weird that an emoji now can have legal context? <laughs> well, but the fact is we use emojis to communicate every single yeah, day. Think regular. about it. We do. I mean, 10 years ago... We we weren't using emojis to communicate. Uh, no, I don't believe we were. <laughs> Although we could go back to Egyptian times and we'll have uh, all our communications. Communication and pictures, right there. Pictures right there. But if you take a look at it, how many of your conversations these days actually are done just by a heart, a thumbs up, a rolly eyes, whatever it is, a lot of it. What if you send the wrong one? What if you meant to send a smiley face and you send the kissy face? <laughs> I still feel it. like you need a better lawyer if you're getting dinged for that. Can't you say, like, oh, I got fat thumbs, I just clicked the wrong button? Uh, like, I don't Dep- It depends on how the, the nature of the texting went. Mm-hmm. If it was a, a well, negotiation sure a and they said, you know, this is the deal I want to do and you got a thumbs up, that's an agreement. So if I send a text to yeah. my guy that brings in water to our place, right? Because we, we have a cistern, so we have a guy that trucks in water every five, six weeks yep. and say, hey, Paul, can I get a load of water tomorrow? And he sends me back a thumbs up. I'm ex- I, I assume that means, yes, that's that's a done deal. But you're that's assuming not, that's, it. No, that's a, no, to me. That's a reply. That's to me, a re- that would be a reply. Yeah. To me, that's a, yeah, okay, got it. You Absolutely. But I think that it's not a legal contract. Or if, if your water guy doesn't show up, you're like, oh, maybe he just accidentally responded or maybe he forgot mm. or something. I'm, I, you're not sending in a complaint. No, no. to me, if he's like not sure, he'd send me the confused look one or the question mark <laughs> one, right? A thumbs up to me is, yep, got it. Yeah, it depends on the question that is asked and how it's yeah. phrased, I think. I think I think a thumbs up can be a yes. And if you get a yes, that can be binding. Mm-hmm. I think anyway. Yeah. Have you ever you ever sent the wrong the wrong emoji oh, to somebody? I had a bad one. Okay, I'll try to make it quick though. So last <laughs> year I was doing a, a broadcasting event and basically they put me with another person in a hotel room <laughs> that I did not want to be with at all. It was <laughs> awful. And I sent a text to the organizer, pretty much complaining about him being like, Of course this cheap person did this to me and yeah, that was an awkward conversation, but that's a long story so short. So you sent an entire text to the wrong person? Oh, yeah. No, it was a full oh. message. Full meal deal rant? A rampage? A no, text? it was a it rampage? Was, it makes it sound a lot worse. I was pretty much just saying, like, yeah, I kind of expected that he would cheap out. 
You know what? And I, in, in this day and age, I think it happens more than then you know we see it oftentimes on our text line mm -hmm. people people send in i've Oops. received sexy texts yeah. <laughs> i've received you know grocery uh, list uh, texts uh, i've received you know we've received we've received it all but i think it happens more often than not has it ever happened to you chetville 7804960063 have you ever sent the wrong text emoji to someone Share the details. The text line, the proper text line is 780-496-0063. There's a thumbs up for that idea. 